Welcome to A Passion to Serve. My name is Don Kutnicki and I'm the host of the podcast. I've spent the majority of my professional career developing and implementing policies and programs to help break the vicious cycle of poverty that too many people endure. With A Passion to Serve, I bring you stories of individuals from all walks of life who are working towards similar goals and objectives. During our interviews, we discuss employment and training programs, Head Start services, financial literacy instruction, and so much more. And of course, I also speak to the people who are utilizing these programs to help create a better life for themselves and their families. I hope you decide to join me and learn about these amazing people who all have a passion to serve. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 23 of A Passion to Serve. Today I'm speaking with Cleo Rodriguez, Executive Director at the National Migrant and Seasonal Head Start Association. Cleo, welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Don. Thank you for the invitation to be here this morning. So, Cleo, we have a lot of different things to talk about because the National Migrant and Seasonal Head Start Association, you always have a lot of balls in the air. But first, I want to start out with just asking you, how did you become involved with the National Migrant and Seasonal Head Start Association? So probably there was two pathways that got me there. One of them is my background is actually in early childhood uh, education and fa- or early or education and family studies. And uh, you know, my background, my family background is also migrant and seasonal farm working. And so it was kind of an opportunity to to merge two of the things that were very important to me, and that's the migrant life and also early education. So when this opportunity became available, it was a perfect fit. You know, I get to uh, advocate on behalf of farm worker families, and I get to also, you know, utilize uh, the, educa- the formal education that I have. So that's pretty much how it happened. I mean, it's it's been... 20 plus years that I've been involved in Head Start, and the, probably the last 10 have been in, uh, in Migrant and Seasonal. Well, that's always good to know, and I always appreciate talking to people who are part of the, the proud farm worker tradition. And I always like talking and having an opportunity to mention how um, the farm worker population is a part of that essential workforce that has been getting us through a really critical time in our nation's history with the pandemic. Can you tell me a little bit about the mission of the National Migrant and Seasonal Head Start Association? So the the mission is pretty simple, right? We we actually represent uh, the various grantees in the United States that are actually uh, federally funded to uh, administer migrant and seasonal Head Start programs. So there's probably about 26 grantees that serve 34 states around the country. And so the mission of the National Migrant and Seasonal Head Start Association is to provide support and services to uh, these grantees in the way of uh, we do a lot of advocacy on Capitol Hill. There's always an opportunity for us to advocate on the Hill to make sure that any legislation is going to be work for migrant and seasonal Head Start programs. Um, And then we do a lot of work with parents themselves. Uh, There's just there's we, we have found that the parents are probably some of our strongest ambassadors and advocates and we utilize them as often as we can. So we've got different programming that we have throughout the the country in the in the various programs as well as at the national level here with the association that we do to to really empower our parents. And we recently started doing some programmatic stuff. And so our, our mission is kind of it's pretty solid, but we also have used it as an opportunity to to do everything that we can to not only support our programs, 
but also to support the, the families and children that are served through our programs. During this past year, I recently became the Head Start Director for Migrant Head Start here in the state of Michigan with Telemark Corporation, and I completely agree with you, Cleo. It's been through my involvement with policy council meetings, which is an opportunity and it gives a voice to our families about what they need to see and what they really want to have happen in our Head Start centers. Um, the advocacy that they do, the passion and the commitment that they have for the well-being, not only of their individual families, but Head Start at large has been really impressive. And it adds so much more. It really contributes to how we function overall as a Migrant Head Start program here in the state of Michigan. And I know it's the same way nationally. So it really is such a an important piece of what we do with Migrant Head Start is to get that parental voice, to get their input and their support. And, and I really have been impressed with that. I want to transition next a little bit to some of the different projects and initiatives that the association is involved with. And the first one is the vaccine project. What can, the, can you tell me about the vaccine project? Well, that's, that's it. I, I'm glad that we're starting there because it transitions perfectly with the parents. So, I think it was early on, earlier this year. I know it was earlier this year. It was probably like January of this year. Uh, I'm having this conversation with parents, and it was an online, I mean, it was a virtual conversation with the parents, and there was a number of parents on there, maybe 15 of them. It was at the early, early uh, onset of when they were really starting to to um, administer vaccines, and it really was very limited who they were administering the vaccines to. So I'm having right. this conversation with parents, and I, I, somehow the the, I, uh, the uh, question came up of like, what's going on with you all in, in the pandemic? And out of the 15 parents who were on this telephone call, I think like 11 of them told me that they themselves had had COVID. And if not, somebody in their immediate orbit did, like either their spouse or a parent. And it really got me to thinking that we really needed to uh, focus an effort on making sure that our farmworker families were going to be vaccinated because, as you mentioned earlier, they have become essential workers and they just never stopped working during this pandemic. Um, as far as I knew, everybody in the country wanted to continue to eat and that meant that farmworkers needed to go to work. So that really sprung me into action to think, okay, I've got to figure out a way how we get vaccines into the arms of the farmworkers. So we really did uh, start an effort, and, and a lot of it was a lot of legislative work or advocacy work. I contacted uh, con the congressional members, I contacted CDC, I contacted the White House, and I finally got traction uh, in Representative Grijalva's office out of Arizona, who helped do a collective letter, uh, a sign-on letter for members of Congress that they sent it over directly to uh, Secretary Becerra to work with us to make sure that our that local Head Start programs or migrant seasonal Head Start programs had access to the vaccines through the health departments in their local communities. So fast forward to today where we're actually implementing uh, vaccine clinics at the migrant seasonal Head Start centers around the country. And we did that because we knew fundamentally that parents have a very trusted relationship with their migrant Head Start program. In talking to parents about the vaccine and talking to them about the myths that were involved with the vaccine, it really wasn't so much about hesitancy as much as about it was about structural barriers. Parents were not comfortable going to some of the places that were offering the vaccine. 
but they were very comfortable going to the migrant seasonal Head Start programs. And so it was a great opportunity for us to utilize that trusted relationship. So we created this partnership with NORC, the National Opinion Research Center, to really uh, get not only were we going to actually get the vaccines in there, but NORC is using it as an opportunity to study some of the health disparities that have gone on, in, especially in a community like our migrant community. So uh, it's been a great relationship and it's been a great partnership. And we've got a number of uh, vaccines into the arms of, of farm workers around the country. Now, is there a, a, I believe that you also are in the process of creating some farm worker testimonials based on uh, farm workers' involvement with the vaccine project? Yes. So in, we've actually created them throughout. A lot of the work that we've done is to utilize every opportunity to speak to a parent to um, push that message forward. And parents are pretty uh, open and bold about their comments. And some of their comments have been or their testimonies have been that, again, it goes back to that trusted relationship. They feel like, hey, if the Migrant Seasonal Head Start program is, make, is offering us this opportunity to get vaccinated, then we feel safe about it, right? And there was, excuse me, a lot of the work that we did, we did a lot of preliminary work with uh, the pro with some of the projects in terms of we actually had a focus group with parents and we asked them what are some of the myths what are some of the reasons why you think parents that other parents are not getting the vaccine and they shared with us oh you know some of the religious myths some of the medical myths some of the uh, conspiracy theories and so then we did our team went back and we dispelled every one of those myths with facts and then we created these videos that then we shared with the parents to say, you know, here's the myth. The myth is they're putting a chip in your arm or whatever it was, right? Well, here's the facts. And, you know, the religious myth, the religious uh, uh, hesitancy, well, here's the facts. And here's what the church is saying about, you know, these, these particular barriers here. So we spent a lot of time uh, really working to, to make sure that, that we could bust as many of those myths as possible before we actually put on the the uh, the clinics themselves. And parents have been very receptive. They've they've not only brought themselves, but they've brought their neighbors. They brought their children once we once it opened up to to uh, uh, eighteen year olds and then even younger. And now even the five year olds. We we're in the middle of doing some clinics right now in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, and uh, a number of families are bringing their young children to get the vaccine. So we see it's very slow and methodical, Don. You know, there's some clinics that we'll set up and we'll have 20 people show up. But I look at it and I think those are 20 lives that we've made a difference in, making sure that they got vaccinated. Well, from my perspective too, and I, and I know all of the other Head Start grantees would chime in and say the same thing, that the testimonials, the communication, the outreach, everything that your association is doing, Cleo, makes such a tremendous difference because the communication piece is vital, that um, it's human nature. We need to hear this over and over again from trusted sources, like you just mentioned, about, you know, fact versus fiction as it relates to the, the COVID-19 virus and also about the vaccine. And um, I completely agree. There's whoever 
has an opportunity and is willing to get the vaccine, you have made a, a, a huge difference and a huge impact. And I think it's so important for us, too, that I would imagine that it's not unique just to Michigan, but in our rural communities, when we're looking at the positive COVID-19 cases, unfortunately, they run higher than the state average in those areas where we have our migrant head start centers as well. Right. Yep. I, and that, that, that is this, those are the statistics, Don, that keep me awake at night because I feel like we've got so much work to do to, to make sure that, that our community is vaccinated. Well, and one thing that I do want to appreciate, and I also want to make sure that I, I mentioned during the podcast, too, that you recently reached out to the Head Start grantees and letting us know that if there's some collaboration opportunities that we would be looking for, if there's a connection that you and the National Opinion Research Center can create in our local communities, that you're still involved with that whole process, making sure that we get as many people vaccinated as possible. Absolutely. Yeah, we welcome the opportunity to come out to your centers and uh, or to come out to your communities and do any kind of coordinated effort that we can between the Migrant Seasonal Head Start programs, the health department. We've got the leverage of this letter that is signed by 36 members of Congress uh, that really has helped us leverage those uh, those partnerships. So, yeah, we're ready to come to your community. We're ready to help coordinate and to facilitate these um, these vaccine clinics because they're so important, and they're going to be ongoing because, as we know, in the migrant seasonal Head Start world, families change. You know, we get new families all the time, and so we may have inoculated 50% of our families, but chances are we're going to have new families in the next few months that, that are in need of a vaccine. I completely agree, and that's really good news. And thank you again for your involvement and your efforts to make that happen. I now want to transition because the National Migrant Seasonal Head Start Association is involved in so many different things. One of the the programs and initiatives that you are involved with is the Summer Internship Program. And Cleo, I have to tell you, that's one of those programs that when I've had a really long day and I'm feeling tired and, you know, I have a headache from everything that needs to get taken care of, I see the participation and the involvement in the summer internship program, and it's such a wonderful reminder as to why we do what we do. So if you can tell our listeners what exactly is the summer internship program and what is its purpose. Sure. So number one, Don, you're talking to my heart now, because the the internship program was probably one of the first uh, initiatives that the association took on mm, 11 years ago, 10, 11 years ago. Out, really outside of of our direct mission, and and really what prompted Don was, I, I think I was looking up statistics on the number of graduates of, of, of uh, high school graduates within the farm worker community, and the numbers were just all over the map. They were just they were they were, and I don't even remember what the statistics were, but they were not good, and and it led me to think, you know. I wonder if those numbers would be different if we just focused on children who had been through a migrant seasonal Head Start Center or had been through a, a migrant Head Start program. Because you and I both know that the tools that we provide for children and families through our programs certainly make a difference and would change the, the trajectory and the outcomes. So that kind of led to, oh, wait a minute, there's probably students out there, they're probably in college, you know, it, it just kind of evolved to, to become this idea of internships in Washington, right? I was living in Washington and D.C. at the time, and one of the things I noticed was the number of interns that were in Washington, D.C. over the summer. 
But there was a profile of intern was just a little bit different from the profile of our students. And so I thought there's got to be a way to bring our students here and give them that exact same kind of opportunity to provide them with other opportunities. So I went to the board and I said, hey, I want to try this idea. And they were very receptive. They really were. They, they, they were uh, intrigued by the idea and, and basically said, look, if you can raise the money to do it, go for it because it costs money. So we did that summer. We brought in three students and we have not stopped ever since. And this was the summer of 2012. And it's a phenomenal opportunity. And basically what it is, is we identify former migrant and seasonal Head Start students who are now in college, who have completed at least 60 hours of college and uh, to come to Washington, D.C. It's a full expense trip to Washington, D.C. We pay them to become an intern, and then we find them a host internship site. We try to align it with their educational interest, and then we also find them a host family in the community. It's And then we just network the heck out of them, right? We've learned over the years to network, that gives you opportunities. And so we bring the students in, we, you know, give them a lot of orientation, we provide a lot of orientation, and then we set them loose. We literally set them loose in the city of Washington, D.C. They figure out how to navigate the metro system, the bus system, they get lost, they get frustrated, we get calls in the middle of the day, sometimes late at night, because they took the wrong bus, they took the wrong train. Sometimes we've had to drive out there to go pick them up because we have no idea where they got lost. You know, so, but it is an amazing, amazing transition or transformation that you see from the day you pick up the students at the airport to the seven weeks later when we drop them off at the airport. It, they leave 100% empowered that the world is their stage. They may have come in thinking, oh, I'm going to do A, B, and C in my career to leaving that I can do A through Z in my career because we've taught them the value of networking, the value of dreaming big, you know, and it really what it has become is we call it an internship program, but really it has become more of a mentorship program because what we recognized early on was that our students needed a lot of uh, support in a various areas. And so we kind of built this along the way and it's been extremely successful extremely successful because we've had now 40 students that have gone through. I probably are in touch. I'm in touch with probably 38 out of the 40 on a pretty regular basis. So it's kind of extended my family. And I really genuinely feel like that. I know where they are. I know what they're doing. I know their spouses. I know their children because now they're married. They have kids, you know, it's, 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 and they, and they, elevated their career in a way that I would like to think that we had a difference in that, that we made a difference in that. And I'm going to think about, I can think of one young lady who was actually there in Michigan in particular. She came, she was actually in the very first class. Her name is Eva. She was in the very first class and she was a business major, a business management major or something like that, which is fine. Great. She came to the internship program and she's a very confident young lady. She really was. And she she shared with us, you know, I'm going to be a business major. I'm going to become, you know, a business owner. 
this is great, Eva. This is exactly what, you know, we want to work with you on that. Midway through the summer, she comes and she says, I'm having some thoughts about changing my major. Okay. Um, we, she was actually interning at an organization called Farmworker Justice. It was all about doing farmwork justice work. By the end of the summer, she said, I'm changing my major to political science. I want to do something different. Sure enough, she goes back to her university. She changes her major. She finishes up her, her undergraduate in, in poli-sci. And then she moved to Michigan. She was in Washington State at the time. She moved to Michigan. She started working for some – it's a pretty big organization, and I just don't remember the name of it at this moment. But she's done all this amazing, unbelievable amount of uh, work in the, in the field of uh, immigration there in, in, in Michigan. She was recognized by the governor recently for some amazing work that she was doing. She got, went on and got her uh, master's in public administration. This young lady is, uh, you will see her running for office someday there in Michigan. I mean, she's, she's, she's focused and she's powerful. And we recently had a conversation with her. Um, and, and I like to introduce the alumni to the new students every year because they can learn a lot from each other. And she shared with the, the new students the value of this internship program and how it really helped shape who she professionally became. And so, and that's just one example. We've got a couple of lawyers. We've got other students who have gone on to become, uh, who have gone on to, to pursue graduate work who are doing all kinds of uh, amazing things in the country. And, and what we, a byproduct of all this has been that we have these incredible ambassadors and advocates who can speak to exactly what you said. We work so hard in migrant and seasonal Head Start programs. We do everything that we can to empower the family, the child, their parents, and these are the testimonials. These are the, the fruits of our labor. The, the students, when they, you know, graduate from college, when they go on to do amazing things in their communities to make a difference, and most of them stay within a framework of our community. Many of them stay within that framework of because they want to give back. They, they have this need to give back. And it, genuinely, in my 30-plus years of, of working in my career, this is going to be one of the most rewarding parts of that career, is watching the students. They've organized now to become an alumni of interns, so they're, they, they're still trying to figure out what their role is and how to really organize, but they communicate with each other. They support each other. They support the next class that comes in every summer. It, it's just been a phenomenal ride for the last 10 years to watch how they, how it has evolved and how sophisticated, Don, and I'm going to use that word, sophisticated. We have some sophisticated students. They're so smart. They're focused. They're resilient. They're um passionate about the work that they want to do. I, I just, my hat's off to them so often because they're, they're just so, they're amazing. They're simply amazing. And, but I want to share this one thought real quick. I'm going to go back a minute because we always ask them, what is something that you remember from your migrant seasonal Head Start days? And most of them remember being in a migrant seasonal Head Start program. They're very, it's a very vivid memory. So those of us that are doing the work now in these classrooms with two and three and four-year-olds, trust me, they remember 
the environment that we set up for them in our programs. But the one thing that they consistently mention, and I think it's very funny, is the blue mat in the classroom. Those pots provide them to sleep in their naps, their nap time. That's something that they, across the board, Don, they remember that. <laughs> and I tell people that all the time because I want them to think, when you're putting out that mat, this is something that they're going to remember when they're 22, 23 years old, is this mat. So make it a very important part of your routine when you're setting up those mats during nap time. Well, Cleo, what you've done, and it's always so interesting and inspiring to me that you plant a seed, you have an idea, and it's like, well, let's see what happens with the idea. And really what you've done, Cleo, you've created a voice. You've created a voice for people who typically don't necessarily feel like they have one, and they bring a perspective, they bring a background that isn't always represented um, in D.C. and in other places. And I just think um, – I have a lot of background in workforce, and I I love the concept of internships for everything that you just talked about as well, that you go into a particular major, you think you might have an idea as to what it is that you would want to do, and then you have this wonderful experience through an intern, and you realize, well, maybe this is something that, um, maybe there's something different, a different career path that might be a better fit for me. So I think on so many different levels that, it's such an important process that these young individuals are going through. And the other piece of this, too, and what we've done here in Michigan, I know other states have done similar, that we have definitely we've had uh, former Head Start kids from Michigan participate in the summer internship program. And what is really interesting and, and important to me, too, is that a lot of these kids, sometimes that they are also enrolled in the National Farm Worker Jobs Program, or they might be participating in a college assistance migrant program at Michigan State University, at Western Michigan University. So I think really what it does is we bring in so many different resources and types of support to make these opportunities available for these kids. And then, as you said, they just flourish and they just take off and they realize that there's so much out there in the world that, that, that they are capable of participating in and it just broadens their horizons. And, and once again, I find so much excitement from this process and from the summer internship program. Well, well, thank you for giving me the, the moment to highlight it because it is, it's hard work. It's not easy. They, they, they come every summer. They have their, their moments. And every summer we look at each other and we think, we got to do this again. You know, as hard as it was, as difficult as it is every summer, we're always committed to make sure that to bring another group of students in every summer. Absolutely. Well, because there's a lot of other activities going on with the association, I can transition to another initiative that you're involved with. What can you tell me about the Healing Voices Project and who is involved in that collaboration? Mm-hmm. This one, this one is a, a new initiative that we collaborated on with a couple of organizations, uh, or actually three organizations, um, three, uh, farm worker serving organizations or who have interest in this, in this particular space. And the main one was, uh, Justice for Migrant Women. Justice for Migrant Women is a pretty big advocacy group that does, uh, a lot of work around, uh, advocacy and justice for migrant women. So that was one of the organizations. And then Latinx Therapy is another group that's done a lot of uh, therapy in the, in the Latino community. 
and then uh, the found, uh, the Eva Longoria Foundation. So it was a kind of a collaborative area, uh, or, uh, partnership between these four organizations, ourselves included. And basically, it was in response to the pandemic. What we recognized early, early on was the need for mental health. Uh, just our pharmacy communities were were continuing to work. As I mentioned earlier, the country still wanted to eat, and our pharmacists needed to work because there's economic reasons behind it. So they never stopped working. And so this initiative merged with this idea that we could provide some kind of mental health therapy. There were some clinical uh, groups that were that were very clinical, and then there were some that were non-clinical. And basically the idea was find farm workers who want to go through this ongoing healing voices process. It was several weeks of meeting every week in like these small groups. And again, if it was a clinical one, they dove into some of the more clinical issues. And if it was more a non-clinical one, it was more of just like this ongoing group. It was very successful. We had a number of uh, farm workers uh, who participated. Unfortunately, I think the funding only allowed us to work in two states. It was in California and in Florida. So we were limited to those two states. But the, it was a pilot program, the idea that we would be able to scale it once we started to get uh, some data from the and, and some outcomes from the work that we just finished. Um, we actually just wrapped up that the last group maybe a week or so ago. And so now we're in the process of, of doing some analysis on the data so that we can figure out how do we scale this to a much bigger audience. The immediate outcomes or the immediate feedback was very, very positive. Parents were very receptive to having the opportunity to uh, do some group therapy with other farm workers. They may not have necessarily been in the same communities. We could have had parents from different parts of California, different parts of Florida, but it was an opportunity for them to just open up and, you know, try to heal some of this trauma that we've been through as a nation over the last, you know, 18, 20 months um, called COVID or the pandemic. So it's been a very successful program. It's been one that I'm waiting to see kind of what kind of uh, opportunities that it's going to bring us in the future as we start to really understand the data and figure out how do we scale this to a much bigger audience. I think it's such an important project that you're involved with. And I, throughout the 2021 Head Start season, um, it really became apparent the importance of mental health services, not only for our children and families, but also for staff. But in relation and going back to our kids that the kinds of social and emotional supports um, that was required and necessary during this past year, it was pretty, we saw a significant increase in the number of children who really needed that type of additional support and beyond the kids going to the families. So I, I think this is such a, a timely and necessary type of initiative. And I'll be curious to see what you find out from the data and if there are opportunities to scale out more, so much the better. Right. Well, and it's, it's, it's also, there's, a, there's another project, and I know it wasn't on our list of topics, but I'll just briefly bring it up, um, that I'm doing in collaboration with the NORC, the National Opinion Research Center, and it's on telehealth. 
and it's we've mostly focused on physical health, but we actually, we actually were on a phone call yesterday uh, with some with the Office of Head Start to figure out is there a way to and it's and that's another little pilot project that we're doing on on telehealth, but again it's physical health, but I think that there's some opportunity here to expand that to more of some mental some of the mental health uh, uh, options. So again, it's something that we're gathering data on, trying to figure out how does this work, what works, and can we scale it to a to a bigger audience at some point. So there's another um, initiative that we're working on with the association. That's good to know. And telehealth really helped us slide throughout the pandemic too. That if there's been one positive takeaway from what we've been going through the, during these past couple of years. It's the utilization of technology to still provide the types of support that are needed and necessary to individuals. Cleo, I'm going to transition to a little bit of a newer initiative that there are grants available through the United States Department of Agriculture that has to do with stimulus checks for farm workers. What can you tell me about that grant process and that grant program? Sure. So USDA just recently put out uh a request for proposals. They've got, they've set aside over $600 million that they want to get into the hands of farm workers in response to the economic impact that COVID has had on farm workers and their, and their uh, economic situation. So they've created this RFP. The National Migrant Seasonal Head Start Association is looking for other partners in this space so that we can collaborate so that we can reach the biggest number of farm workers in the country. We've got access to thousands through the Migrant Seasonal Head Start Program, but we know that there's so many out there that may or may not be involved in organizations, informal organizations who, who, who deserve to get these $600. So we are going to be uh, applying for these dollars, and then we're going to be administrating them. The easiest way for us to administer them is through our migrant seasonal Head Start programs. Programs, migrant programs have immediate access to families, and um, and then we'll have the pro- we'll we'll create the process to collect the the information needed in order to to get these six hundred dollars into the hands of our farm workers. It's uh, it was a commitment that this administration has made to uh, farm workers. There was a lot of advocacy work that went behind the scenes to make sure that these dollars were earmarked and it would flow to this um, particular population that was so hit, that was hit so hard by the pandemic. So I don't think that we're going to start to see any actual funds being transferred until probably next summer. Uh, we're in the middle right now of, of, of responding to the RFP and then the whole process of being identified and granted the money. I don't see money being distributed probably until the latter part of next summer, but it's coming. There's there's money coming to go directly to our uh, farm workers in, in this country. Well, I I once again I I think that's so important and necessary at this point in time. So if I understand correctly, you are completing the request for proposal, and if you are awarded the grant, then you would then be 
um, providing these monies to different Head Start grantees, and then they would then be in a position where they could go out and provide these stimulus checks to farm workers. Is that more or less what the process would be looking well, like? More or less, right. We would, we, we would be relying on the migrant seasonal Head Start programs to identify, hey, here's family one, two, three, or individual, okay. actually, per family is per individual. And in some families, there's more than one adult in the family. And and you would identify them, and then we would go through the process of making sure that they got uh, the stimulus check to to those particular families, or uh, excuse me, adults. Do you know if there's going to be any restrictions? For example, would a farm worker who's receiving a check would they need to have some type of status, either as a citizen or authorized to work in the United States? From my understanding, there is no requirement. It's pretty flexible. And the, the the there's my understanding is there's two requirements. Number one, you've got to be working in agriculture. And there's also a, a, a grocery worker piece to this money, too. My interest, of course, is in the farm workers. But you've got to be a farm worker from the farm worker community. And you have to self-declare that you had an economic impact of $600, which our families are not going to have a hard time declaring that. Right. And I think that those are the two criteria that need to be met in order for them to, to be eligible to receive the money. It's, they've made it not easy, but they've tried to remove as many barriers as they can to make sure that money gets into the hands of our farm workers. So, Cleo, where can people learn more about all the different initiatives that we've been talking about? Where can they go to get additional information? So, most of this information lives on our website, which is nmshsa.org or if you do a Google search for the National Migrant Seasonal Head Start Association, go to our website. There's information on there. We're actively recruiting uh, intern applications right now. So if you know of a student that was a former Migrant Head Start kid that is now in college that would be eligible, encourage them to go to the website. There's information there about the, the internship program. There's information there. There's resources there for the vaccine clinic. We created all these videos. We created toolkits. They live on our website. So we've got a bunch of information on our website, and we encourage you to, to go explore our website and, uh, and find more information about the various projects and work that the association has done or doing. Well, Cleo, you definitely have a lot to keep you busy, and I really want to thank you for spending some time with me today on A Passion to Serve. Well, I, I appreciate it, Don. I'm glad to see you in place there in, uh, in Michigan. Uh, you've, you've done a great job there, and so congratulations on – I know that you've been in this role pretty recent, and we're, we're happy to have you there. And, uh, and, and I do want to say one thing and final thought here. So we've done – we've just really expanded our work at the National Migrant Seasonal Head Start Association. And the only way that this work has been successful is through the team that we have created over the last several months. I've got an incredible team around me that has just – that is equally as passionate as I am. And for that reason, they work tirelessly and they, they're focused, they're committed. And I'm really grateful for, for having them around me uh, and supporting all the, the initiatives that we've been involved in over the last uh, several months. So thank you to them. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up that, you know, within Head Start, within any, just all of the different people that I come into contact with um, who work on behalf of the migrant and seasonal farm worker population, 
Cleo, you know this already. It's really almost, it's more of a calling than it is a job that um, there's such a dedication and commitment by everyone who stays long-term in this work. Um, it really is such a, a, a tremendous, um, you know, there's nothing they would rather be doing. And absolutely, they, they put in and they log long hours because they know how important this work and what our mission is. So um, very, very grateful that you brought that up. And, and once again, thank you so much for speaking with me today on A Passion to Serve. Thank you, Don. Thank you for listening to A Passion to Serve. You can follow A Passion to Serve on Spotify, where you have access to my interviews from seasons one through three, along with recently published episodes. Until next time.